Well done. Beautiful. John 18. Very good. My mind goes back when I hear some of these young people get up now as adults and parents, what they were like as kids. And uh, sometimes in the youth, you don't see uh, the maturing parents like you want, but believe me, they will. And uh, what an honor. And then I thought, they were up here singing as a couple, how probably they're running around the house, she's doing laundry, he's taking care of what he's got to take care of, and they have to be singing occasionally together in that house getting ready, and how sweet that is. Amen? So that was special. Well, we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday, just in a few weeks. I always try before we come to a major Christian holiday to prepare our hearts, and this is a preparatory message uh, as we look at what our Savior went through going to the cross on our behalf. And so look at John chapter 18 today. We're going to read the first 13 verses. I'm going to read one additional verse uh, in Matthew's gospel, uh, but just follow along with me as we get into God's word today. And remember, this is Designed, I believe, to prepare us for the special service of Resurrection Easter Sunday. Now, John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth unto his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden in which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Uh, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, cometh thither unto, uh, with lanterns and torches and weapons. Judas, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, uh, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him as soon then as he had said Unto them I am he. Uh, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then again he, uh, excuse me, then asked he again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. Talking about his disciples. That the saying might be fulfilled which, was, which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the, the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink of it? Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. And led him away to, uh, to Ananias first, for he was the father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. I want to read one verse out of Matthew chapter 7, in verse 21. 
The Bible says, The governor answered and said unto them, Whether the twain were ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture and, Lord, all the Gospels that give the account of our Savior's, your Son's, passion. And, uh, Lord, we're looking at it uh, to get ready for celebration uh, for Resurrection Sunday. Lord, uh, we just come out of our spring meeting and what a blessing it was. And we look for, Lord, your presence in this service today. Uh, we ask that you'd be with all the services that are happening on this property. Help me, give me liberty. Dear Holy Spirit, arrest our hearts and minds today that we might hear from you through your word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, my title today is this, Desiring the Lawbreaker or the Lawgiver. Which one is it for you? Now, we like to think that uh, we would choose the right, but oftentimes, as our pastor, assistant pastor said this morning, we make wrong choices. When we know there's a better choice, we, we still go on and make wrong choices. So our thought today is desiring the lawbreaker or the lawgiver. Now, we see Jesus here. He's retreating, as he often would with his own disciples. He's retreating to a specific place on the mount for prayer. Now, he had planned this time of R&R &R with them because he knew they needed it. They were wore out from ministry. And he also, knowing that his passion, the, uh, the, what he went through at the cross, prior to the cross, uh, all the suffering, all the shame that went along with our sin, uh, the Lord was, he knew that was about to come to pass. And for their sakes, I believe, the Lord drew them aside. Sure, the Lord needed strength from his Father and so forth. I know that's in the mix, but the Lord was always looking how to prepare them for his leaving, how to prepare them for the ministry that they would take that he has had now for over three and a half years. Well, as we hasten to the cross, uh, preaching on it and the resurrection story just in a little bit, I, I want us to take a look at what's transpiring in these times the Lord was getting ready to go to Calvary. Um, here we see in the scripture that he's taken them to the garden. I think that's interesting. He was drug off for a trial and brought to the cross to pay mankind's sin debt. The Lord went to that garden. After he left to go to the garden to meet his disciples, the Bible said he passed Kidron, the brook of Kidron. That's interesting because if we go back into our Bible in 2 Samuel chapter 15, we'll study that that's exactly what King David had done when he was exiled from the throne. Again, the Lord is following the footsteps of a king, knowing that he will soon die as the Son of Man and the Son of God, but raised to victory, go to the Father's right hand, and he will establish his kingdom. But just as the king of Israel was betrayed aforetime by his family, Israel, Jesus would face in similar fashion that betrayal that all takes place beginning at this garden. So we follow along at this agony, this, this trial of Jesus that is about to take place. And, 
it's for us to see prior to the celebration day. I think it's so important for us to start reading our Bible and reading the different gospel accounts of what our Savior went through for that great day that we celebrate on Easter, but not just Easter, every day of our lives as Christian people. You know, Resurrection Sunday ought to be every day in our hearts and lives. <laughs> so the first thing we see in John chapter 18 is the arrest in the garden. In verses 1 through 3 that we read, we see that, uh, that Jesus was met by Judas in the garden. Now, G Judas had deliberately met the Lord in the garden not to be with him, not to pray for him, not to offer him some measure of solace in these last hours of his great anguish and agony to come, but he went there to betray him. He went there to be a traitor to him, to point him out to his enemies. It's beyond my mind that he could do such a thing, but he was the son of perdition. And Satan had begun to work in his heart. Judas was privy to what was going to happen. The scripture tells us that in this text. And he set this all in order. For what reason? John chapter 13 says for a pocket of coins. The Lord was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Sold out, if you would. The cost of reconciliation was 30 pieces of silver for wrongful death, according to Exodus chapter 21. If there ever was a wrongful death, it was the Lord Jesus. Although it pleased the Lord to bruise him, so in sovereignty God understood that and planned that. For us, for us. But then it was also the cost of a preview for the slaughter of a flock. Now, I, I read that and studied that, and I thought, what in the world does that mean? Well, it's a picture of Israel. He was, they were the flock of God. And, of course, they were going to be slaughtered and being slaughtered by the Roman government at that very time. But then they would turn and betray their Lord. The one that come for them, they would say, we choose Barabbas. It doesn't even make sense uh, to us, to me. And that's Zechariah chapter 11, if you want to read that this week. But the Jews could not put Jesus to death, according to Scripture, because he was a male factor, and they could not have capital punishment on their own. They had to look to Rome. They were under the yoke of Rome, the authority of Rome. And so they couldn't put him to death themselves, so they sought Rome to do their, their dastardly deed, if you would. Their cries of rebellion were heard. The political pressure was put upon Pilate at that time. Everything was amped up. You see, he was a politician and he wanted to look good and he didn't want this news of insurrection getting back to Caesar and so he wanted to do everything he could to appease these angry Jews. And they knew that. And they took that for granted and took him for granted. Well, beyond the maddening crown, I remind us again, and, and beyond the angst of the Jewish hierarchy was the sovereignty of God. God had a plan. Amen. Before the foundations of the world, Christ was slain. For you and I, the Son of God would be offered up for the sins of the world, for my sins, for your sin, for whoever will repent and come to him. Amen. It's interesting to me that the place of this arrest, Judas uh, takes him to is called the garden. And 
He knew the garden. He knew that the Lord had gone there many times. It was a peaceful place. It was a place of the Lord's retreat. It's, it's a place where the Lord got help and comfort uh, and under the stress of his ministry, knowing that his time was come. He, he goes to the garden. And of course, Judas is there. Judas is standing there with his enemies. Chapter 18, verse 2 and 3, we read about the place. That's so important, the place. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the uh, Pharisees, he knew that he wasn't going to go alone to face the Lord. He was going to take his group. You know, it is rightly said that a man always goes to where his heart is. I believe that's true. It's also the same kind seek their own. That's true. You see, Christians will seek out other Christians. If you're a Christian and you're avoiding Christians, there's a problem. If you're a Christian and you're not following the Lord with other Christians, that's a problem. You see, because Christians seek out other Christians. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them, Hey, I just want to remind you today, I say, this is my crowd, the church. Thank God for the church. And listen, seek out a good church. If you're not a member of a good church, seek a good church. Yeah. Seek Christian fellowship. Seek people that are better than you in, your, in, in their walk with the Lord. It'll make you a better Christian for God's glory and purpose. Amen. Well, Christians will seek out Christians. Crooks and snakes will seek out their kind too. John chapter 18, 3, Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees coming thither in lanterns and torches and weapons. Here's a professing Christian, although we know he wasn't. But he's a professing Christian, a believer in Christ. And he's seeking this crowd. And then he comes with lanterns and weapons. Oh my. After the Lord's Supper, the Bible tells us that Judas had Satan enter his heart. John 13, 27, And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then saith Jesus unto him, that thou, What thou doest, doest quickly. And Satan leaves. And then all this begins to unfold. We see that the Lord's glory, I like this part, peaks out as his arrest. What I mean by it kind of just shows itself a little bit. Peaks. Peaks out. And what is that? When the Lord, they come to arrest him, they said, uh, we're seek Jesus of Nazareth. He said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. You know, I am is a title for God. And he said it twice. And when he said it, they fell backwards. That's so funny to me. When I read that, I just laughed. They didn't know who they were talking to. They were looking for Jesus, but they weren't looking for God. <laughs> And he says, I am he. And boy, they all tumble over. And we're talking about soldiers. We're talking about the, the royal guard, if you would, of, 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 of the Jewish hierarchy. And they all tumble to the ground. And I can see them picking themselves up and brushing themselves off. And they ask him, Who do you, whom do you seek? And he said it again. I, I wish I would have done it the second time, but I'm not God. But uh, and they're, they're going, wow. Listen, Jesus said, I am he. And they couldn't do anything but hit the ground. You know, it reminds me, not too far off from now, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. 
And Christian, if you're here today and you're not bowing the knee to him, you better make that right. right. And I'd recommend you get in a better crowd. Yeah. And I'd recommend that you start standing up for who you claim to be, a follower of Jesus Christ. As these men picked themselves up, I know they began to wonder. Uh, he doesn't say, but I wonder what they thought the rest of the day, you know, about that one event. Maybe later on they said, were you there that day? I was there. You remember that day when he said, I am he and everybody? You know, that had to run through their mind so, so much. You know, the truth of the matter is Jesus could have destroyed them right then. He could have annihilated them right then. But all the Lord did is let his glory peek out a little bit. See, you know why? It wasn't his time yet. The Bible said it was not his time. So the Lord allowed this process, their duty to be carried out so that he would go to the cross for my sins and your sins, for our sins. Amen. And then we look here that Peter was ready and willing to fight for his Lord because see, in his mind and heart, he was looking for a now kingdom. The Bible says in John 18, verses 10 and 11, that he pulled out his sword. He's, he flat cut off that guy's ear. I mean, that, that really happened. Now, the Lord said, don't, don't do that. I just imagine that. He'd pick that ear up, pop it back on his head. You would have thought they would have said, wait a minute. We all just fell to the ground when he said, I am he, and now he's putting the guy's ear on. I mean, you'd think they would have went, oh. It's something how the human heart will fight and resist against truth. But Peter acted wrong because he acted in anger and violence. Peter used the wrong weapon. He used the physical sword instead of the word of God. And Peter had the wrong motive. His flesh and his spirit got the best of him. You know, I can't judge him too much, but I'm awful like Peter sometimes. I mean, a drop of a hat I am. After walking with the Lord all these years, I still got that old nature within me. How about you? Yeah? Peter accomplished the wrong result. A man was hurt, and God was not glorified. But this is what I like. You know, after reading that, I thought, you know what? There could have been a fourth cross on that, on that hill. It could have been Peter's. Really. Because they could have, they could have arrested him for assault and attempted murder. <laughs> but the Lord made it all good, and it all went away. Amen. The Lord was in, you know what it shows me from the time this all happened, all through this passion of Christ, even to the time that Jesus said it is finished and he yielded up the ghost, he was in complete control being God. Hey, just a reminder today, he's still in complete control of our lives. But maybe he's waiting for us to come to him. Serve him. Line up with him. Do his will. We fight God so often against what seems to be the obvious choice. The way it ought to be. Amen. Well, there's no crime. Where there's no foul, there's no crime. So the Lord slapped John 21, 18, 19. He slaps his ear back on and we move ahead. Okay? That's the arrest in the garden. Second of all, I want to highlight this morning the denial of a disciple. Look at John chapter 18, verse 15. We move along in our story here. 
Simon Peter followed Jesus and did so other disciple. The disciple was known unto the high priest and went unto Jesus into the, uh, the palace of the high priest. And Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. Then said the damsel that kept the door, Peter, art thou not also one of the man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servant and the officer stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Here we see the denial of a disciple. Here's a spotlight on Peter here now, and the fast decline of Peter. You know, there's not a Christian in here, listen, not a Christian in here, or any other assembly of born-again believers, that cannot fall. They cannot lose their testimony. They cannot mess up. You understand that? Let's not get too high and mighty. Let's not judge Peter too much because we are so much like Peter. Back in the upper room with the Lord and the other disciples, Peter boasted, I find this interesting, three times that he would never fail the Lord. That he would never be unfaithful. That he would never be untrue. That he would be undaunted. That he would always come through for God. Matthew 26, John chapter 13. Read it yourself this week. But in no time, we see him in the garden with the Lord, James and John. You know what he does? He falls asleep when the Lord needed him to watch and pray. You see, that's the telltale signs of that, the fact that we may do worse. And we may end up doing some things in our life we never dreamed we'd ever do. And we may live a life that seems to deny the Lord rather than glorify the Lord. And it starts with letting our prayer life in our daily walk with the Lord's slip. Amen. And Peter was to watch and pray, and of course he falls asleep. How many sleepy Christians are there today? I know my sermon's not all that hot, so I'm not talking physically now. I'm talking spiritually this morning. Are you asleep? Spiritually? Amen. Is your heart right with God today? Because if you continue to stay in that position, you may find yourself someday far, far away with the Lord. The Bible says at the cross there were a lot of Christians there helping the Lord. Uh, not a lot, a few, a few key ones, but more than one. But it says this, Peter stood afar off. You see, Peter's decline from the Lord started early on. You need to be close to the Lord. How's your devotional life? How's your prayer life? How's your walk with God? So I don't feel worthy. None of us are worthy. I don't think I could ask God for another thing. Well, you're wrong. For he asks us to ask, seek, and knock. Amen. Then we see Peter, he confesses his love to the Lord. He, he says three times, remember in John 21, Yeah, Lord, you know that I love thee. And he got really offended and upset with the Lord the third time. The Lord, do you love us me, Peter? And he, Lord, you know I love you. Well, why did the Lord do that? Because he knows the tendency of us. We say we love the Lord. But God knows. God knows our heart. So Peter's getting a little distant because he's not praying. He's not watching. His, 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 his private time with God is, is affected. And then he says he loves the Lord. And then we see Peter again three times. He's at this fire we just read about. 
And somebody comes up to him and says, are you one of those disciples of Jesus? No, no, I don't know the man. Oh, I know you're one of his. No, no, I said I wasn't. And then he said, wait a minute, your speech betrayeth you. And he, and he begins to curse. <clears throat> I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're his, he knows it. And you know what? A lot more people know it too than you think. You can try to hide and act like you're not a Christian and be incognito. That's not neato. <laughs> it's a shame. It's sad. Why not become a bold disciple of Christ? Why not come out for Jesus? Why not use your gifts and talents for the glory of God? Why not stop running from God and running to God? You'd be amazed at what God can do with your life. And so he's at this fire, warming his hands at the devil's fire. I know way too many Christians that are in the wrong crowd at the wrong time. Amen. But we are so much like Peter. You see, I've been reminded again this week, hearing some sad news of Christians falling. You know, I've been reminded this week, it can happen to the best. It can happen to anybody. It could happen to me. It could happen to you. It needs to, it needs, it needs to put the fear of God in us. It, it, it needs to, a resurgence in our heart for the things of God and for time with God and to watch our testimonies. Amen. When our kids grew up and they got to be older and even as adults, they would go out the door and my wife and I said, now watch your testimony. Because we wanted what them to watch their testimony. Sometimes my wife and I would go out and the kids would say, Mom, Dad, watch your testimony. I'd look at them like, you bunch of smart Alex. <laughs> hey, we all need to watch our testimony. Peter was letting it slip, letting it slide, failing the Lord. Hey, my flesh is weak and so is yours. And only by the help of the Lord do we stay close to the Lord and through prayer and by grace. Amen. Especially in this evil day. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Galatians 6, 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. Oftentimes we think we're spiritual. Well, we're not as spiritual as we think we are. But if you think you are, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now here's the key part. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There's nobody in this room from this pulpit down that's not, that's not capable of doing terrible, sinful things and hurt the Lord. So Peter, I want you to know this morning, Peter never dreamt that he would end up denying the Lord at the devil's fire. We must understand this. That's why the Bible says in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2 that we, we shouldn't be sitting with the wrong crowd nor standing with the wrong crowd. Amen. That's, right. That's where it starts. Wrong fellowship. Wrong associations. Wrong meetings. Amen. Watch who you sit with and stand with and hang with. Amen. Who's your group? I said, this is my group. Who's your friends? Who's your close friends? Who's your posse? 
I got a t-shirt I wear, Ernie Harwell's shirt. I, maybe you know who he is, some of you don't, but it says, I'm part of Ernie's posse. I wear it often when I'm riding my bike. That's my, he's my man, amen. <laughs> Who's your posse? Who's your group? I tell you what, it ought to be other Christian people that love the Lord. It ought to be those that are trying to serve the Lord. It ought to be those that, you know, they got their life in, in, in submission to God. And, you know, we go the wrong way when we act like Peter. We end up in the wrong group, wrong time, with the wrong outcome. You see, Judas showed us he was with the wrong group, but he was the son of perdition. So either you're in or you're out. You, you say. God knows. But even Christians like Peter can get away from the Lord. Think about this as we prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. You know, Resurrection Sunday ought to be a wonderful Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. We have our breakfast. We have our devotion. We come out here. Tom's always got the choir tuned up to glorify the Lord. We always have wonderful songs. There's something special about Resurrection Sunday morning. There's just something special. But you know, we walk in here on an every Sunday and it's special. And sometimes God will give us something special on a Wednesday night. What about that? Or in our daily devotions, or in a time when we're driving down the road just thanking God for all the goodness, and you have a Holy Ghost meeting with the Lord. It's not just Easter Sunday, but Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is good. But we're getting ready for that, right? So, what's your choice? You're going to act like Judas, or you're going to act like Peter? Wow. How's your prayer life? When's the last time you bowed the knee? How important is watching and praying in your life? Thirdly, the, the rejection of the people whom Jesus came for. John chapter 18. Go there if you would. Look at verse 28. And I'm moving along here. We'll be done soon. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then led they, then, then led they Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and, and they themselves went not in the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate therefore went in unto them, and saith, What accusation bring ye against this man? Of course, that's Jesus. They answered and said unto him, If he were not a male factor, would we have not delivered him unto thee? He said, you know, he said, that's a silly question. That's actually what they're saying respectfully. If he wasn't what we say he is, we wouldn't bring him to you. Verse 31, Then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Now, this rejection of the people. Here we're going to get into this, uh, this scene of the people making a wrong choice. First of all, we see Caiaphas. Uh, first of all, the scripture mentions uh, Ananias. He's the father-in-law to Caiaphas. High priest that same year, John 18, 13. Now, uh, Ananias, or uh, uh, Ananias, yes, he has been high priest, but he'd been put there by Roman order. And you know how the Jews felt about the Romans. They didn't care to have somebody put over them. But he's taken out of authority, and now the Bible says he brings in Caiaphas. Now Caiaphas is ruling at this time, but you know something about Ananias, he still had the respect and the position in the mind and heart of the people of the Jews. 
Now, they weren't too happy. The Jews weren't too happy with either one of these high priests. Amen? But these two men, they, they, they conspire together against Jesus Christ. And they, they, they want to put him to death. And they come to Rome, and Rome says, wait, you put him to death. You, you, that's your show. They go, you know, you know we can't do that. We need you to do it for us. Amen. Now, the Jews hated Jesus for many reasons. I think the thing they didn't get over prior to the cross was the day that he came to the temple courtyard. And they brought all their sacrifices that good Jews would and should. But they weren't good Jews. They brought the halt, the lame, the blind, the second best. They weren't really. They were playing church. The form of God, but denying the power thereof. They were coming ritualistic. They were coming, you know what, I'm going to tell you something. You're a bunch of Baptists and I love you, but we have our rituals too. <laughs> we play church too. We come, we come looking all good, sharp, you know. God knows our hearts. He knows whether you've been in the Bible this week or not, on your knees this week or not, viewing things you should or not, speaking things you should or not. He knows us. And these Jews, they'd come and they'd have a pretense of serving God, especially on that one time a year they'd come for that great feast and they'd bring in their animals. And, and he, they got so stinking lazy, these religious people got so stinking lazy, they didn't even put aside an offering for God anymore. They just went and picked up the blue light special. Amen. Now many of you don't know what I'm talking about. When I was a kid, you used to go to Kmart and when you got into Kmart with your mother, you'd see a blue light every once in a while in the store just spinning. It might have even had a siren to it. I don't remember, but I remember the blue light. And that meant there's something good over here. There's something for sale over here. And you'd see every mom in the store. Shoo! And there'd be a table there of this and that and a blue light spinning. And that was the blue light special of the day. And everybody went, and those mothers are grabbing t-shirts and they're grabbing underwear and they're grabbing socks and they're grabbing household goods and they're grabbing candy bar, anything that was the blue light special. And man, they were knocking out the other mother to get to it. That's the blue light special. So here's these Jews. They come to the temple to worship God. They haven't planned it. They haven't prayed. They haven't prepared an offering. They just come doing their religious thing. Looking good. <laughs> yeah, but they were looking for the blue light special. Where's the cheapies? Where's the blind, the lame, and the halt that I can offer it unto God? You know, God told me, he said, hey, give it to the governor. See if he's happy with it. But yet, go ahead here. This rejecting crowd, that was their heart. How about us? How much do we put into worshiping our God? Or we just come in kind of like looking good. But where's our heart? Sometimes our worship of God, our service of God, we're looking for something easy. Something casual. Something that is not uncomfortable. Because that's the kind of worship we want. But wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. who are we worshiping? Why do we even come to church? To give God our second, thirds, and fourth best? Amen. We're in a day today where the quote-unquote church, collective church, has gone the casual seeker route. Instead of seeing the high 
the Lord high and lifted up. Amen. And so these two high priests, they, they're working against the Lord and the people. You know where they're going to go when he asks them the question of whom, see, uh, uh, whom do you want? you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? I think in his heart, they already know what's going to happen. And these crooks and cronies of the Jewish religion, they know that. And it's going just the way they want it because they want to get rid of Jesus. He's messing up their party. Amen. I wonder, we can look back in history and see them and say, boy, that was terrible. Those Jews, they were terrible. But what about me? What about us? Would I would have been just like him? Paul, would I have stood out there one day and said, yeah, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. What parent could say such a thing? But they did. All along, thinking they were good Jews. You see, the spiritual leaders were profiting and merchandising. And I think what really got to them was that day when Jesus came in and they were selling all this stuff. Remember the tables of merchandise? You remember the, the, the doves? You remember the halt, the lame sacrifice? You know, they were setting up their blue light special tables and the Lord said, no! And he, holy violence. He threw those tables over. He took a cat of nine tails out and drove them out of the temple. He said, this is my house, the house of prayer. And you know, those Jews never got over that day. And from that day, they sought to get him, to kill him, to murder him. They didn't know that Satan was using them with the devils of hell to put Jesus on the cross. Because those, those devils, when they hung Jesus on the cross, they thought they won. But oh, they didn't win. That was the worst day for them. You know, like, oh, we got him, we got him, we got him. But three days later, he rose from that grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, did they have egg on their face ever since that day they have. Praise God. But there was a trial. Why, why would anybody want to line up with that group? But they did. They didn't even like the high priest. They didn't like, they didn't like the scribes, the people. But they joined up with them. There was a trial that was illegal, and they held them at nighttime in secret. The, uh, they, the, 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 there were false witnesses they brought to that trial. They let Jesus go in the middle of the night, and he was mistreated by those soldiers. Listen, they didn't do that. They didn't just mistreat people, but they mistreated him. They allowed him to have no defense. They found him guilty and led him away. They condemned Jesus to death. And in the end, Pilate pronounced judgment against Jesus because he didn't have enough gumption or guts to go against the crowd either. Because he feared reports. Back to headquarters. You see, the leadership of Israel presented Jesus as a criminal and the people went along with to benefit themselves. 
in Mark 15, 13, and 14, and they cried out again, Crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, Why? What evil hath he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe from him and put his own clothes on him, Mark 15, 20, and led him away to be crucified, Luke 23, 21. And they cried, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him, John 19, 6. Take him away and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. He said, Not my job, you do it. They cried out the more, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. But what did he do? He crumbled. He gave in. And he sent Jesus. He tried to wash his hands but couldn't. We know the story. He scourged him. John chapter 9, verse 19, verse 11, thinking that would satisfy them but it didn't they were out for blood all of it amen he sought to release Jesus and his wife said have nothing to do with this just man he, so finally he, knowing that there was a tumult he, he washed his hands physically in front of them letting them know hey I, I don't want nothing to do with this this is your choice not mine and they took him away but here's the last point this morning the fatal wrong choice go to John chapter 27 church John chapter 27, verse 15. Let's read what thus saith the Lord. Now at the feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. They had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Who will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Drop down to verse Oh, verse 21. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will you have that I release unto you? Then said, they said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do with the Jesus which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. The wrong choice. You know the world, the world's making wrong choices. Every day our world's making wrong choices. That's because that's who they are. That's the crowd. That's their group. That's their posse. That's, that's, their, that's their, their, their team. That's their family. Amen. Especially when it comes to Jesus. The world always makes wrong choice. Amen. Here the people of God. Super duper spiritual people. Go to, go to temple people. You know. Cross all their T's, dot all their I's, people. And when they were given a choice, whom will you give? I, I give to you, Barabbas or the Christ? Barabbas. That's the title of my sermon today, right? Hey, desiring the lawbreaker or the lawgiver? What's your choice? And they chose Barabbas. They preferred a murderer to Jesus. Instead of standing up for Jesus like they could have, they chose a murderer. And the Bible says in Acts 3.15, And killed the prince of life, whom God has set, hath raised from the dead, wherefore we are his witnesses. They preferred a lawbreaker for a law instead of a lawgiver.
But here's where we get down to today. Who will we choose? Who will we choose? You know, sooner or later as a Christian, you're going you're gonna to have to face a choice. Am I going to live for God? Am I going to line up with the right group? Am I going to honor God with the gifts and talents that he's given me? Hey, let me, let me just say this. We know from Scripture that God prepares the person in the womb. So listen to me, ye that know the Lord. God prepared you in your mother's womb for him. Now we have a free will and we can go the way we want to. My hope today is that you, it'll dawn on you that God made you who you are for him. Well, I don't like the way I am. He made you who you are for him. I don't like the way my life is gone. He made you who you are for him. You know what I'm glad? I'm glad there's a God in heaven who hasn't given up on the plan. I may have messed up. And listen, I could still mess up. Only by God's grace. And I hope it never happens. But it could happen to me. It could happen to you. But there's a God in heaven that still has a plan for you. Amen. Now, we're getting ready for Easter. Who's your group? Who's Lord of your life? You? Or Jesus? What are you doing with your life? Just coming to church, playing religion, ain't going to get it. Because the Jews had plenty of that. And that was the group that said, well, you know what? We choose Barabbas. Now, it blows our minds. But again, certain set of situations, certain time period, we may behave and think just like them. You know what I want to do in just a few weeks? I want to really celebrate Resurrection Easter Sunday well. So now's the time for us to get things maybe prepared. Right some wrongs. Confess some sins to God. Get our lives back in the right place they need to be. Amen. For he is worthy. So worthy. Here's my question today. Are you going to choose the lawbreaker or the lawgiver? What's your choice? Maybe someone's here today and you're not saved. Who will you choose? Yourself? This world? Or Jesus Christ? I encourage you to choose Jesus. If you're saved, you might be more like Peter than you want to admit. Amen. Sad to say, maybe more like Judas. Have you sold Jesus? Not 30 pieces of silver, maybe something else. But you see, he wasn't even saved. What's our excuse? Amen? Let's bow our heads. Oh dear God, work with us today, I pray. Prepare our hearts for Easter, for Resurrection Sunday, Lord.
deal with us, Lord, because we are so prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. I'm ever so reminded this week, Lord, that flesh is flesh, weakness is weakness. Help us all, dear Lord, to realize that we are so, so prone to take the wrong step, have the wrong thoughts, make the wrong choices. Be with each and every one here, Lord. You know them intimately. You created them. You have a plan and a purpose for them, Lord. Help that to dawn on us today, I pray. Be with that one that's not saved. Help them to have a desire to come today and trust Jesus. And be, Lord, with many of us who know you. Help us to realize we're maybe further away than we think we are from you or maybe ever intended to be. But anyway, Lord, we're away, so draw us, we pray. Dear Holy Spirit, draw us back to Thee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.